0: Hey everyone, this is Chris Vault, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Though no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, the scriptures are clear. Jesus Christ one day will return, and we who are his followers have this hope in us. That's the topic on this episode, episode 9 of The Pursuit. Amen. You be seated if you would and open your Bibles. Uh, There's a lot of verses on there, and I just want to preface what I'm going to talk about today. You know we're in this series called Hope or Anchor? an anchor because we have hope and we started this on Easter weekend because everything we hope for is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, amen? If Jesus didn't come out of that grave, we have no hope. There is no anchor for us. But if Jesus came out of that grave, everything the Bible teaches us we can believe because it's anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in this series, we've talked about that in Christ, because of the resurrection, we have a hope to live for. We have hope of a God who will never leave us. No storm can overcome us. We've talked about in this series uh, that the grave even isn't the end result for us. Many people will gather around cemeteries on this memorial weekend, and they'll remember and celebrate as they should, as we should. But if we truly believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I do not have to go to the gravesides and grieve like the rest of the world grieves. We can even go to a graveside and know this isn't the end. Because Jesus conquered the, uh, the grave, we put our faith in Christ, we're gonna conquer the grave. Because of Jesus, we have been made victorious over all things. There's another piece of our hope that I want to instill in you today. And I pray you'll listen carefully because it's gonna be a little deep and I'm gonna, and, it's, and, it's, it's, and you may not even agree with everything I say today and that's okay. But I want you to study the scriptures with me And I want you to see the concept, this is a truth that we have to live for on this side of the grave. Not only do we have victory over the grave because Jesus rose from the grave, but the same Jesus who got up out of the grave is the same Jesus who ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's the same Jesus who is making a place for all who believe in him. And I need you to get this, and here's our hope. He's the same Jesus who one day is gonna come back and receive us to himself, and I just need you to know, there is a second coming of Jesus. And I know some of you are going to say, Pastor, I've heard that my whole life, and he hasn't come yet, and look how bad everything is. And some of you are going to say, my grandparents told me that they heard that their whole life. And and I just need you to know, people have been talking about the second coming of Jesus for 2,000 years, Well, I've got news for you. That just means we are 2,000 years closer to his return than they were, right? I mean, we're closer today than they were yesterday. But as you're gonna see today, and here's my goal. I'll tell you my goal up front so I don't lose you early. My goal today is to show you three truths about the second coming of Jesus and why we can have hope. For many people in the world, when they think of the second coming of Jesus, it doesn't give them hope. In fact, I grew up uh, hearing uh, people scared about the second coming of Jesus and literally praying, God, stay away, when the last prayer in the Bible is, even so, come, Lord Jesus. In a few moments, our worship team is going to sing our final song today, and they're going to sing the last prayer of Revelation, and they're going to sing a song to you called, even so, come. Uh, That was the last prayer, not, Lord Jesus, stay away. And it's because we've misunderstood passages of the Scripture. And listen, 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 let me tell you something. This is deep, and, and there's a lot of interpretation in these verses because it is a foreshadowing of what hasn't happened yet. And so there's a lot of different interpretations out there. And, and, and listen, I'm not going to tell you who to listen to and who not to listen to I, other than this. If anyone tells you a date, a time, or a place of when Jesus is coming back, throw away their book, turn off the radio, switch the channels on the TV, don't listen to them, because Jesus said not even the angels know when all this will happen. That's messed people up for years, and people quit going to church because they said, well, they said He was coming then, and He didn't come, so it must not be true. Hey, folks, if Jesus came out of the grave, I believe it's true. And, and listen, so here's the first thing I want you to get a hold of. There, there's, we have the promise of the second coming of Jesus. He has promised he's coming back. In John 14, he said, If I go away, I'll come again, right? Uh, he said, If I go away, I'll come again, and receive you unto myself. Last week, when I was talking about victory over the grave, I read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm just going to quote it to you. 1 Corinthians 15, just as a reminder. The Bible says these words, Paul says, listen, I'm telling you a mystery. Uh, We shall not all sleep, but we all will be changed. Somebody shout, we will be changed. And then he goes on and explains this. He says, at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise first. Somebody shout, they got to get up. Somebody shout, there's got to be a rising, all right? Somebody's got to get caught up. They're going to gonna rise first, and we who are alive, watch this, watch this, watch this. We will be caught up to meet the Lord where? Not on the ground. We gotta get caught up with the dead in Christ. We're gonna get caught up to meet the Lord in the air so we will ever be with the Lord. And whenever that catching up comes, whenever that day comes, when we get up in the air with Jesus, we're never leaving the presence of Jesus. We're gonna be there forever with the Lord. Somebody ought to have a half of a hallelujah by now, all right? So just a half. I hope you have a full one when I get done. So watch this. So here's what the the verse is on your outline. This happened 40 days after Jesus got up out of that grave. Jesus came with his disciples. More than 500 eyewitnesses saw Jesus in those 40 days, risen from the dead. More than 500 people saw Jesus alive from the dead over 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, he had his disciples around him on a mountain. Acts chapter 1 records what happened from eyewitness accounts. This is what they saw. They saw Jesus standing there saying, you'll be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit of God comes upon you. Uh, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. Look at verse 9. And after he said these things, while they were watching. A cloud took him up out of their sight, and while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. They're all looking up because Jesus just levitated. Say out amen. Amen. There wasn't no fake wires anywhere either. I mean, Jesus was caught up in a cloud. Now watch this. And then two men in white clothes stood by them saying, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? Because this is what everybody was doing, wouldn't you? If you just saw Jesus levitate into the sky, wouldn't you be doing this? And two men in white garments said, why are you standing here gazing into heaven? Watch this, watch this, watch this. That same Jesus who was taken up will so come In like manner. Just like he went up, one day he's got to come back down. Shout amen. And we call that the second coming of the Lord. That's the promise. He promised one day the same Jesus who went up is going to come back. Now, how many of you believe in the new birth? How many believe that if you give your life to Christ, the Bible teaches you are born again? You get a new birth. Shout amen. Amen. Listen, you believe that? Everybody believes it. Shout, I believe it. You can have a new life, a new creation. Amen? Anybody testify to that today? You're new? That's spoken of nine times in the New Testament. If it's it's talked about nine times and you're an eyewitness of it because you know what happened to you, how many know you can believe it? Now, wait a minute. How many believe in baptism? Baptism. I love baptism. We'll never stop baptizing new believers, and I'm always going to be pushing it. We do it about every two months. We got another one coming July 7th. Have you been baptized yet since you become a believer? If not, sign up today. We were ready to baptize you to the Lord. Baptism is talked about 20 times in the New Testament. How many believe we're supposed to repent of our sin? You don't just give your life to Christ and then keep living on in sin. No, no, no. The reason you're baptized is to tell the world you're going to live a new life. You are a new person in Christ. You don't live the way you did before Jesus. You let him change you from the inside out. that's talked about 70 times in the New Testament. You know how many times the New Testament or the Bible talks about the second coming of Jesus in relation to those? More than 300 times. I mean, believe God believes in the second coming of Jesus? I mean, come on. Uh, He believes in it, so you need to believe in it. Now, here's what I want us to do. One day, look at your outline. The disciples came to Jesus, and here's where some people get confused. But if you just take a verse here and there and take it out of context, you'll get confused. And there's all kinds of ideas out there and all kinds of interpretations from some really good people, all right? So I just want you to get the concept. I'm not here to say, okay, if you think it's at a certain point versus someone else, and I'm not here to say, well, here's how you can prove they're wrong or they're right. I, I have my interpretation. I cannot help but let you see what my personal conviction is on this. You'll see a little bit of that. But the ultimate truth is I want you to go home with here today is Jesus Christ has promised he is coming again, and you need to go to the Scriptures and let the Scriptures speak And see how it's all going to happen. All right. So there's a lot of verses. So if you'll stay with me for 20 minutes, next 20 minutes without losing sight, shout I will. All right. You can give me 20 minutes of undivided attention, right? Tell your neighbor, I'll be your accountability partner. You fall asleep, I will noogie your head. All right. I will, I'll pinch your ribs. I'll do something. You'll wake up. All right. All right. So here we go because this is so wonderful and it's such a hope. So the disciples came to Jesus, Matthew 24, and said, when will this come? When will you come back? When will it all end? In fact, notice the words they say, and when will not only you come, but when is the end of the age? And that's so important. When is the end of this age of grace? When is the end of this age that we're in right now? This, this time period God's given the church to get the gospel out. And, and when will all this happen? Those verse 15. So Jesus says this to the, to the disciples. They understood it better than we do. He says, when you see, underline this, the abomination of desolation spoken up by the prophet Daniel. Daniel, hundreds of years, like 700 years before Jesus, right? So we are, are over 500 years before Jesus actually. Uh, uh, so when you see the, dem, uh, the de, abomination of desolation, that's hard for a Kentucky boy to put back to back real fast, from the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. So there, there's an event, and that event is the desolation or the abomination of the desolation of the temple, right? Now here's what I need you to know. The temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD, here's where some people confuse you. It was destroyed in 70 AD and it was horrible and they call it the desolation of the the temple. But if you read on, you got to find out that that in the book of Revelation, there's talking about a day, and then Paul wrote about a day when there's going to be an Antichrist come to power, and he's going to have everybody worshiping him, and he's going to walk into a temple, and somehow he's going to make a peace treaty in Israel and and, and with all the world, and and one day he's going to stand up, and he's going to tell the Jews, I'm God, and you got to... You've got to bow down to me. Now, i want to tell you that I believe that that is the moment when the temple is going to be desolated because Jesus is speaking about a desolation that is coming of the temple. Now, listen, I know the temple in Jerusalem has already been destroyed. You can go to Jerusalem right now and see the temple is all falling down. But I want to tell you, someday, someday temple worship is going to come back, and that, that antichrist is going to rise up and tell the Jews that they have to worship him. This is the reason why some people believe the church gets raptured out midway through the tribulations because it's midway through this seven-year time period called the wrath of God, the wrath of the Lamb that's going to get poured out, that that's when they get raptured up. I personally believe that we will get out of here before at the very beginning of the seven years. Some people believe we're going to go through all the seven years before that happens. I just need you to know there are different interpretations. You're going to hear those. And you've got to go study the scriptures. I'm going to show you today why I believe what I believe. And I just want you to go home today knowing we got hope because Jesus Christ is coming back again. So look down at verse 21. For at that time, at that time when? When that desolation comes. For at that time, look at the verse. There will be, read the words, great distress. What kind of great distress? How many know Christians have been under great distress for 2,000 years? Look up here at me and let me tell everybody something that may absolutely alarm you. The 20th century was the most violent century of the last 20. And over the last 100 years, many profess, there have been more Christians to suffer for the name of Jesus in the last 100 years than any other time period ever on the planet. So when Jesus is talking about great distress, I know there's been some bad days in the past, But Jesus says this. Look at the verse. There is a great distress, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world, read with me, until now and never will again. So he's talking about a day coming when the distress is going to be so bad. It's never been a day like it before it. There will never be a time like it after it. This is going to be a hard time on this planet. There is coming a day of great distress. Look at verse 29. Read the first word, circle it out loud, let's say it out loud, ready to go. Immediately after what? This distress, this distress is a time like has never been done before on the planet. Immediately after those days, watch this, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not shed its light. Stars will fall from the sky. How's all that going to happen? I don't know. People say it's nuclear war. I don't know. All I know is what the Bible says. The sun will be darkened. The moon won't shine its light. Stars are going to fall from the sky. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Look at verse 30. Read out loud. Ready, go. Then the sign of the Son of Man will do what? It will appear. Circle that. It will appear. Who's going to see it? And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man doing what? Coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now watch this, and I, I, you don't need to miss this. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to read it. You've got to look into it. You've got to see what it's saying. He's saying there's coming a day when there's going to be this Uh, abomination, this desolation, and immediately after that is going to come a time of distress like it's never been on this planet before, and immediately at the end of that time of distress, there's going to be a sign in the sky, there's going to be a darkening, the sun's going to stop shining, the moon's going to stop shining, all of a sudden, the whole world is going to see the Son of Man coming in power and great glory, and the world's not rejoicing. Did you see the verse? And the whole world is mourning. That's not a day of rejoicing. That's a day of mourning for the world. Why is it not a day of rejoicing? Because the purpose of the second coming of Jesus, watch this, is twofold. The purpose of the coming of Jesus, number two on your And the purpose of the coming of Jesus is twofold. One is to bring rescue for the saints rescue for the believers, and bring judgment on the unbeliever, the ones who've rejected Jesus Christ. Now, let me stop for just a moment. So if the whole world is not rejoicing when they see the Son of Man, then where's the saints? Because the saints have have to be rescued from the wrath that is to come according to the Bible, and I'm going to show you that here in just a moment. So the purpose of the second coming of Jesus is to to bring rescue for the saints and to bring judgment on those who reject the Lord, and evidently at this time when the end of the age happens, everyone on the planet at that moment are the people who have rejected Jesus Christ or turned away from the gospel or never put their faith in Christ. Now, now now can I can I put a pause everybody shot pause All right, i want to put a pause here for a moment. I'll get back to the theology in a minute. This is why at Connection Point Church, we are so aggressive in sharing the gospel while we're building that new building, while we try to do things with excellence. The reason why I'm always giving altar calls, the reason we're always baptizing, is because what we have to understand is that when that day comes, and no one knows when it's going to happen, but when that day comes and Jesus Christ takes the church out and brings wrath on the world, listen, I got to tell you, nobody gets saved after that, that ever heard the gospel. God will turn his attention, according to Revelation, back to the Jews and there'll be 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams running around and there'll be people saved during that time, but they'll all suffer for the cause of Christ. But listen, I need you to know that our goal is between now and the return of Jesus to get as many people into heaven as we can. Because God doesn't want them to suffer wrath, he wants them to be rescued by grace. Can I get a witness from somebody in this church? God wants us to rescue as many people as we can between now and then. Now watch this, immediately after the stress. So if we know when the abomination of desolation happens and we see the season of distress, we know when Jesus has come back, immediately at the end of that. The second coming and everybody's going to mourn and He's coming in great power and everybody will see Him. right, now back back up for a minute. So maybe there's something that's got to happen at the front end of that. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 15 said, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ are going to rise, and we who are alive, talking about Christians, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And that moment comes, in the moment of a twinkling of an eye, nobody knows when it's going to happen. In fact, in fact, early Christians all expected it would happen in their time period. We read that in First Thessalonians. Uh, we read that here in Corinthians, where he says that's going to happen. So here's what I want to tell you. However, wherever you think the rapture is going to take place, there is something all of us can agree on. The second coming of Jesus has to have two phases. There has to be a catching up before there can be a coming down. And the catching up is, number one, Jesus comes for his church. And we call that the rapture. And you may say, well, the rapture word isn't in the Bible, is it? No, but catching up is. And catching up in Latin is rapto, and it's where we get the word rapture, and all is people use a term that they've said in Latin, okay? Rapture is just a Latin word. It says, yes, one day there's going to be this catching up. And listen to me, folks. Here's what the Bible says, that one day there's going to be this catching up. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, look on your outline there. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say, who, they, not you, who are Christians, when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon who, them, not you. Like labor pains on a pregnant woman, who, they, not you, will not escape. Look at verse 4. But you, who? (laughs) You, not they. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 13. While we, what's the next word? Wait for the blessed hope. What's our hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10. Look at this verse. For God did not appoint us to what? To wrath, but to obtain what? Salvation through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or whether we sleep, we will live together with Him. Now, you just take those verses right there and look at it. Here's what the Bible says The Bible says, in the moment of a twinkling of an eye, when the rest of the world says there's peace and security, Jesus said, like in the days of Noah, when they're going around acting like there's nothing to live for, there's no eternity, there's no God to answer to, anybody can do whatever's right in their own eyes. In that moment, when they come to that place, there is going to come a moment in a twinkling. Of an eye, the dead's going to rise. We who are alive are going to remain, going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the air, and we are being delivered from the wrath that is coming. If we're not being delivered from it, the rapture is no hope. It is not a blessed hope. But he said to Titus, we are doing what? Waiting. For the blessed hope, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. If I have no hope of being delivered from the wrath to come, I'm not looking up, I'm looking around. I'm watching every governmental action, every policy. I'm looking at every leader and asking the question that you've all heard are they the Antichrist? Right? I'm looking around, I'm not in peace, I'm in fear, because I don't know when this day of distress is fixing to come on us like the world has never seen before. But if I'm waiting for Jesus to come back, I'm not looking around, I'm looking up. And I'm waiting with hope for the appearing of my Savior, that in the moment of a twinkle, I'm going to get caught up. <laughs> I know you may not all agree with that, and that's okay. But you have to agree with what the Bible says. And the Bible says there's coming in a moment, a twinkle of an eye, catching up. You can't get away from that. There's gotta be a catching up. And then there's gonna be a coming back down. Now watch this. These early Christians were looking, I I, I just gave you some verses, not on your outline, but you can read them, Romans 5, nine. I love this verse. Romans 5, nine, now much more than since we have been declared righteous by his blood. How many are saved by grace? I mean, no, the only way you can be saved is by grace. If you're saved by the grace, the right, if you've been declared righteous by his blood, Romans 5, 9, we will be saved through him from wrath. If you read Revelations, the first three, and I know many of you struggle with Revelations, like, oh, it's so weird, but listen, a lot of symbolism, I know. But get get the premises. The first three books of the book of Revelation are all written to churches, seven churches. The churches are never mentioned again after Revelation chapter three until you get to Revelation 19. Everything else is God's judgment on the earth, but you never see the church. You see 144 Jewish evangelists and you see people coming to faith in Christ, specifically out of Israel. But as they come to faith in Christ, you'll see them also get martyred or persecuted for it. The, the church, uh, the, the Jews run off into the desert, and there's this great battle going on. And, and then all of a sudden, something else happens in Revelation 19. This is where most people get confused and are like, okay, where, what's going to happen? I just need you to know Jesus is coming back. How many believe he promised he would? And I just need you to know there's going to be a catching up. And I just need you to know there's a coming back down because Jesus is coming and he's going to have victory and he's going to rescue the saints and he's going to pour judgment on those who've rejected him. Look at what Jesus says to the church in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Jesus says, because you've kept my command to endure, this separates true Christians from non-Christians. Because you've kept my command, I will also, read it, keep you from the hour of testing that is coming On the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I don't know about you. I just know I want to be in that church that gets away from the time of testing. Amen? So watch this. I just want, Lord Jesus, come quickly, right? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at this outline. So don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come, watch this, unless there's an apostasy first comes, right? Is this on your outline? No? Okay. Let me read you this verse. You just jot it down for later, all right? 2 Thessalonians says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That is, a lot of people are going to walk away. They're not true Christians. They're going to walk away from the faith. Then the Bible says there's going to be a man of lawlessness. This is the antichrist. He's going to be revealed. But now listen carefully. The man doomed to destruction. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. How many know there's already a spirit out here working, telling people, God's not real, don't follow Jesus, right? It's already at work. But you haven't met the Antichrist yet. Now watch this. But the one now restraining will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, and the Lord Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth and will bring him to nothing at the appearance of his coming. Now, what is all that meaning? The Antichrist is being held back. Why is he held back? He's held back by a personal pronoun, a he. Who is the he? When we talk about God, we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if you read the book of John, you'll understand you never call the Holy Spirit an it. You call Him He because He's the third part of the Godhead of the Trinity. And you need to understand that the, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of God came down and filled believers. He, God no longer dwells in buildings made by man's hands, but you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. One day, He's going to be took out. He's got to be removed out of the way so the Antichrist can rise to power, hey, if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and God don't want to leave me, spirit lasts then when he's taken out I don't know about you, but I plan on going with him and he's got to be taken away before the antichrist can come to power now watch this I know this is deep, somebody shout it is good way to start summer though, amen amen, yeah, you think oh, we're going to cruise through summer, no we just dive in Listen, the next step is Jesus comes with his church. Day of the Lord, uh, and uh, this is at the end of the day of the wrath of the Lamb. This is when he comes back. This is when every eye will see him. Not everybody's going to see us when we get taken out. But every eye is going to see him when he comes back. Now watch this. Look at Revelation 19. This is when the church is spoken of again in the book of Revelation. What's my time? Do I got time for this? Oh, I'm i got to hurry up. Y'all listen faster. i got another service waiting to come in here. Watch this. Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude shout a lot of people. The sound of cascading waters, like a uh, numbling of loud thunder, rumbling of loud thunder, saying, hallelujah, because our Lord God Almighty reigns. How many believe he does? Let us be glad and rejoice because the marriage supper of the Lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself. Whoa, wait a minute. Who? The bride. Who is the bride in the New Testament, the bride of Jesus? It's always the church. The bride of Christ has made herself ready, and she was given. She must be at this marriage supper. She is given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, and the fine linen represents what? The righteous acts of the saints. Now look at verse 11. This is when the whole world's going to see Jesus come back. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse, its riders called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war with justice. His eyes are like fiery flame, and on his head are many crowns, and on his head, and he had a name written that no one except himself knows, and he wore a robe dipped in blood. Somebody shout Jesus, and his name is the word of God. Look at verse 14, and the armies that were with him in heaven Followed him on white horses. Now, a lot of people are like, who is this army? Are those angels? Are those Old Testament saints? Who are they? Personally, I believe it's us. And the reason why, look at the rest of the verse. Wearing pure white linen. Who got the white linen just a few verses ago? The bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. There's a catching up to the marriage supper so we can come back down And I don't know, how many of you are scared of horses? When you get to heaven, God's going to take away all that fear. And you're going to come back with the Lord, and every eye is going to see you. I don't have time to preach the rest of this much, so write these verses down. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 and 4.14. I think they're already listed there. I just don't have them written out. Here's what the Bible says. Make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Watch, listen to this, here he says, not for his saints, here he says, make your heart blameless before our God and Father for the coming of our Lord Jesus with his saints. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4, 14, but if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many believe that? In the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Now, wait a minute. So that means when He comes, He's bringing back those who have fallen asleep with Him, right? Wait a minute. How did, they got there at the moment, twinkling an eye, when they rose, right? Who else did it say rose up with them? All of us who are alive and remain, we gotta get called up too before we can come back down with him. Jesus is going to bring us with him when he comes back and the whole world sees him and he conquers the devil and puts him down. Can somebody shout amen? amen. All right, last point. I got to give you this. What is this? It's, the third point is not only the promise, uh, but I want, you, and I want you to see the preparation. The preparation of the second coming. This is what we do right now. Look with me at First Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10. You're there, stand up. You got your pen ready. We're going to pray, and we're going to go into this prayerful song, right? Here we go. Got your pen ready? Everybody standing? Here we go. First Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had for you, how you underline it, turned to God from idols, to underline, serve the living and true God, and to underline it, Wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. Jesus, circle this, who rescues us from the coming wrath. How many of you believe today that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? How many of you believe today that Jesus Christ is going to come back and receive us to Himself? Do you believe that? How many know that we have a hope today because He has promised He's going to deliver us from the wrath to come? So what do we do in the meantime? Here's what we do. Turn from any idols we have in our lives. As your pastor, I want to challenge you to look in your life, take a spiritual inventory, turn from any idols you have in your life. Live a true Christian life. Turn away from any idols you have. Get rid of them. Serve the living God. Give God your whole heart. Serve Him with everything you have. And wait with some hope. While we're looking up and waiting and people come up and say, what you looking at? Then you tell them the gospel and say, I want you to come wait with me. Don't leave them here for the judgment. Let's get them to the God of grace. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisbot.net and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.